Cheyenne. And this is Rachel. Welcome to What the Finance. We're so glad you're here. So this week, we, um, this may come as a surprise to you, but sometimes Rachel and I don't plan things. Sometimes we wing it. And we picked tonight's topic specifically because it's so easy to wing, if you will. We're going to talk about our employment history because that's pretty related to finances. Yeah, turns out that it is. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess unless you work and don't get paid for it. In which case, could you reach out? I have a lot of questions. And maybe some suggestions. I will say here at the top of the episode that this particular topic was also suggested to us by my spouse, Nathan, as one that may be of interest. Um, it would also help our audience to get to know us a little bit better. Yeah. This is the second episode that we've recorded at the suggestion of a listener slash spouse. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So if you're sitting on a suggestion, you should send it our way because our spouses will probably have more, but we'd like to broaden the pool a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming that you have been working for money for kind of a long time, but what was your first job where you like earned money doing it? So that, okay, I would say I, I technically have two first jobs and it kind of depends because if you're mm. counting like as like a 12 year old, I babysat and was paid cash. And I don't remember how much I was paid before my, my first real job. I did air quotes there for those who couldn't see. I consider babysitting a real job. 100%. I just didn't pay taxes. So my first paid job, I was 16 and I started out working in healthcare. I was similar to a CNA, except instead of working in um, like a group home type setting or something, I worked in individuals' homes. And I worked in healthcare for fucking ever. We hope it sucks you in. Yeah. yeah. It was almost exactly half my life. If I had stuck it out till this year, it would have been half my life that I worked in healthcare. Paid. I enjoyed it. I started off working as, like I said, kind of that CNA type position. And then I moved uh, around a bit and ended my career with healthcare in middle management type position. And I cannot stress enough if you know a healthcare worker, please do us all a favor. Thank that person and ask them what you, you can do for them. And even if they say they don't need you to do anything, think of something. They definitely do, do it. Yeah. Just they, <laughs> they are pretty much always tired <laughs> from working in healthcare for a very long time over to working in education in a support role. I was not... Um, I didn't work with students per se. I worked as an administrative support type deal. So that was a it was an interesting an interesting shift. <laughs> yeah. And now I work in uh, I'm gonna say finance type yeah. stuff. I still do that administrative support. Um, I would say like almost like a mix of HR and like an executive assistant. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 So I've kind of similar, similar-ish roles throughout most of my, the last like 10 years of my career, but different, different fields. And it's very interesting. This is, so this is the interesting thing that I have found. Cause I, you know, I thought about this a little bit today. Right. And, <laughs> and so there was, there was something that kind of stuck out to me, which was really, really funny. You know, we had kind of mentioned earlier um, that I, as I was talking that, People who work in healthcare and education, they're just always exhausted and, you know, do something to be kind to them because they definitely just need it. And what's wild to me is that I worked in those those types of, of fields 
And I feel like working in the private sector in a in a field that is I, I don't I don't really know how to describe it. But I mean like finance is not like I don't work I work in a very private sector, essentially. And I right. am better taken care of now insurance compensation time off wise than I ever have been throughout my entire career. <laughs> like that's sad. Uh, Great. Really like I'm really thankful. Good for you. Thank you. I'm yeah. really thankful for it. Um, but, and I, I'm, it's, it's weird to me that that's a thing though. Like I obviously, I want everybody to have the same level of awesome support from their employer that I currently have, but it's just wild to me that it seems like it should be flipped, you know, like, right. But it's not. (laughs) No, no. Well, and I guess I would say as somebody who's been a government employee, really for most of my career, I think that what it really comes down to is that people either consciously or unconsciously have the attitude that you should be working all the time because your tax dollars are paying for your salary. And so the way that that shows up in union contracts and public policy and state law is that government employees are um, on the clock a lot more than their private counterparts. And then when it comes to healthcare, it's not exactly the same, right? Because that mostly is either like private or nonprofit, but people who are like long-term like PCAs or CNAs are really rare because your treatment is so horrible. You're not going to stick with it. Oh yeah. The burnout. Good enough for that. Well, yeah. Like the physical and mental burnout. I was also a CNA Mm -hmm. and I wrecked my back. So then the, the cost burden falls onto individuals and so you get as much as you can pay for. And that unfortunately is not usually that much. Right. So, yeah. It's an interesting, yeah. it, I, I just, I honestly hadn't put much thought into the progression through like my, my career until mm-hmm. this topic came up. It was, it was wild to me to think of that because when I think of the last 10 years of employment for me, working in I worked in a private healthcare organization, and I would say in comparison to other organizations of of a similar nature, the one that I worked for treated their employees pretty freaking well. Like, as far as benefits go, they they did some good stuff with when it came to time off, and they were very honest and encouraging of people to take time off when needed. And I think that that is part of the reason that they are able to keep some of their their mid-level management people because you are not you're not made to feel like taking time off is a bad thing and you're not made to feel like mm-hmm. being honest about why you need to take time off is a bad thing. So I th- they do that very well. Um and then going to the the education side of things, it was so weird because they were not willing to budge on the time off stuff. And what was kind of wild to me there was it's not like it was not a stressful position that I was in, but it is just funny to me that going to the private sector is where employees are getting like that, getting treated well. I think, I think there's a a couple of things happening there. Honestly, I think it is people our age are starting to run businesses and we have different mindsets about Mm -hmm. what is good treatment uh, for an employee. And we also have different expectations. We value the benefits uh, in addition to salary. And mm-hmm. we are also in positions in which there are more jobs than there are people to fill those jobs. So we can be quite picky about 
where we work. And I think that that helps to make better working conditions and benefits, packages and pay and that kind of stuff. Um, But I also like, I wish like that government would get there faster, you know, because I don't know. It's just something that I've really um, I've noticed this is and, and this is not something specific to the last year because I had been looking at remote work positions prior to pandemic. Yeah. Something that I noticed with companies that were either remote friendly or 100% remote was they tend to have some of the best time off policies I've ever seen. Like many of them just straight out tell people like we have unlimited time off. And I feel like one could and someone probably has argued that 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 policy would get abused. But I if so many places are doing it, I have to believe it's not being abused. Right. I've always been really interested in this just yeah, as a concept, one of the first like Fortune 500 companies to pilot it, if I'm recalling correctly, was Best Buy. They rolled out that unlimited PTO for um, like their corporate team mm-hmm. and it worked out super well for them. But then somebody new became in charge. They got a new CEO who didn't like it. And even though it was working out great, they scrapped the whole thing. Mm. But the, the data that we have available to us would indicate that it's actually super good for companies. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe people who think it's a bad idea should just shut the chew holes and jump Do on it. board because yeah. it's a good idea. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like uh, trusting adults to do their jobs. I mean, like... It- if you want to look for the exception, you're going to find it. Well, exactly. My own work history, I think, is pretty typical of most millennials. Because <laughs> it's a little bit all over the place. So like Cheyenne, I started babysitting as a teenager. I'm sure that I brought this up on the show before, but I'm the oldest of six kids right? Like when I was growing up. And I did not get paid to babysit for my parents. I mean, frankly, it wouldn't have even occurred to me to ask them for money. Part of the reason for that was because... As a kid, my mom and dad would talk all the time about how part of the reason they could never afford to go on dates was because they couldn't afford a babysitter. But so I kind of went into my babysitting career with uh, like the attitude that you should just pay me whatever you think is fair. I didn't always get paid, but honestly, I couldn't really tell you how much. Um, but some regular babysitting clients of mine actually wound up getting me my first non-babysitting job. So the the husband in the couple was a um, was like a loan officer for a local bank, and he had helped a local restaurant that has since been closed, and I'll tell you why in a minute to get the financing for the restaurant. And they wanted um, a violinist to play in their restaurant. Well, I played the violin, and so I played in the restaurant for tips. Once again, truly couldn't tell you actually how much I made in tips. And then they stopped having me around, They, you know, hired different groups to come in. And shortly after that, they, uh, well, they didn't exactly go out of business. They actually went on the run because it turns out that they um, had both embezzled a bunch of money from their business. And uh, with the help of my babysitting client had falsified a bunch of their uh, loan documents. And so they just kind of took all the money and ran. So that was... That was an interesting experience for me. So I have known you 13 years. (laughs) I've never heard of this before tonight. Like my mind is blown right now. I, 
I feel like I knew you played the violin. That was the extent of my knowledge of that story. <laughs> I am um, shook, <laughs> as the children say these days. Okay, is that still a thing? I get I think maybe it's probably know. not. I have no idea. That for a little while. And then I was a custodian for my church. And um, this is somewhat, I guess, depending on where you live, this is somewhat unique in Mormonism. But my church actually hired out like a professional custodian to come and clean the building. And that person was me for a while. <laughs> and then I worked at McDonald's. Forgot about that. And that was fun. I remembered that you cleaned the Mormon church for a while, but the reason that I remember this is because I remember you telling me that uh, somebody in one of the higher up positions drank Dr. Pepper. Oh yeah. So I, so I guess I've actually been a custodian for the Mormon church twice. Oh, so that time as a teenager, Okay. right? I was like 16 when I had that job. Then I worked at McDonald's for about a year and a half until I graduated from high school and uh, I moved to Utah. Uh, a lot of my extended family lives there. And I thought it would be a good fit for me. It turns out that it wasn't. <laughs> but when I was there, I actually started out working for Marriott. And I think that I have talked about that before when we did our episode on vacations. Yep. And I would be more equipped to handle this now. But as an 18-year-old, uh, having folks who treated uh, like hotel reservation line, like a free phone sex line was 100% not something that I was equipped to handle. Yeah. Mm. I think there's a lot to yeah. unpack in that situation. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's <laughs> safe to say that most 18-year-olds wouldn't be well equipped to handle that situation. But also... So, like, an 18-year-old with the background that you had? Yeah, like, what? Oh, man. Yeah, completely. It took me a while to actually kind of figure out what exactly was going on there. Like, maybe longer than some of my more worldly peers. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So then I did actually work for the Mormon Church as a custodian. In downtown Salt Lake City, uh, which is where I learned that one of the, um, and this person has since passed away, but um, was a giant fan of Dr. Pepper, which not related to work at all, but I think really kind of started me down the slippery slope of questioning everything that the church taught. At the same time, I also did a short stint at Express, like the the clothes store, and that was interesting. It gave me very strong anti-opinions towards in-store credit cards. And then when I came back to Minnesota, Minnesota. I worked for Target for a little while, but they didn't schedule me for as many hours as I needed. So then I took a nursing assistant course and became a, a CNA for a while. And I feel like the theme of Rachel's career is stuff she hates. I, I've spent uh-huh. a lot of time discovering things that I don't really like doing very much. Also, <laughs> I feel like the the Target CNA, CNA timeframe is about when I met you. Yeah. Because um, I feel like you yeah. worked at Target towards the end of when I first met you. And and then definitely a CNA because yeah. uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure you never actually slept. Yeah, not very much. Mm. Not very much at all. Would you say more or less than you sleep now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably less than I sleep now. Okay. As a parent to three young children. Yeah. yeah. So, uh... <laughs> For those of you unaware, she worked midnights before. Yes. And went to college full time. Mm-hmm. Because this is also in the, I feel like the younger end of our audience is not going to remember this time, but there was a time when you had to be taking 12 or more credits to stay on your parents' health insurance. Thankfully, that's not true anymore. Yes. But uh, it was then. Yep. So, God, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then kind of interspersed with that, I also, like with Cheyenne, 
I worked for Upward Bound in their summer program. So it was just like a college readiness program. And then kind of student worker on campus jobs ended up translating into what has basically been the rest of my career working in post-secondary education because I just went from being a student worker to being a temporary employee to being a permanent employee. Um, And now I've been working with my current employer for the last seven years, but in three different roles. I, so I kind (laughs) of, I didn't hit all of the random jobs that I had, which I didn't really remember about until oh yeah because you like worked at blockbuster uh-huh i, remember, I don't yep. remember you working there i remember you talking about working there yeah so i guess because I, I covered the healthcare thing um because that was primarily my job because i i worked in healthcare i have worked in healthcare the entire time i've known you mm-hmm. between three different companies and i worked a ton of midnights a ton of them and I honestly, I, I, ne- I don't know how I did it. I, I do, but I don't. There were, there were times in my life that it worked out really well. And then there were times mm-hmm. that I have no idea how I functioned as a human being. Certainly not safely. So there's that. Yeah, I wor- so I worked at Blockbuster for a while. Loved that job. Uh, anybody who <laughs> knows me on a personal <laughs> level knows that talking about movies, TV shows, and video games are basically, it's my dream job. Like if Blockbuster yeah. was still a thing, I would still work there. I think there's only one Blockbuster store open still in the United States. And I think it's in like Oregon. Bend, Oregon. That's how much I love that job. (laughs) (laughs) I know where the last remaining friggin' Blockbuster is. I worked at Dairy Queen for three weeks. I put my two weeks notice in after a week of working there. Because I, first of all, was really bad at it. If you ever, if you got any of the dilly bars or the uh, peanut butter parfaits that I made, I'm so sorry. It was not a four year old that made it. It was me. Um, (laughs) So on top of working for uh, Dairy Queen, which like I, I left, like I said, because I was really bad at it. But also because I ended up uh, finding a, a job working actually at a group home. Uh, working, I think I worked, I think I just started as like an afternoon or something like that. And then eventually switched over to midnights, which in that specific situation worked out pretty well for me because I was going to school full time at the same time. Mm. And while it was awake midnights, I was taking evening courses. And so I could sleep during the day and I could do my homework while I was on shift. Like she allowed me to do that. And that was really nice. Yeah, that was that was a pretty convenient scenario for me. I also worked at Lowe's. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed working for Lowe's for the most part. I learned a ton. I did not have an issue with not getting enough hours. Uh, I was full time when I worked at Lowe's. Sweet. Yeah. I, I did cross-train in a lot of departments, which made me useful for them, but they also didn't have to worry about keeping my unders, my hours under a certain level so that they didn't have to pay my insurance benefits. Um. Mm. <laughs> right. Well, and this was also after the Affordable Care Act passed. Yep. Wasn't it? Yeah. So yes, it was. that really, people talk about how bad that was. And I mean, I've never thought it was a bad idea, but really it helped so many people like in this exact situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it was it was interesting because the thing the thing that was interesting to me in that in those types of situations uh, were that I don't think that there is a big corporation chain like that that would not just let somebody work full time or more and be willing to pay for benefits because they are so short staffed. Like that was not the case. What was this like? 
12 years ago, 11 years ago, when we, well, I mean, like, that's how long ago it was when I was working at Lowe's. It would have been, what, 13 years ago that you were working at Target? Yeah. And so, like, in that relatively short time, it's it's done like a 180. They had so many employees that they had they had the option to keep people at 29 hours or 28 hours a week so that they didn't have to pay for benefits. And now they would be like, here, here's 40 hours. Here's your insurance. Like all it's just wild to me. Basically. So, yeah, I'm trying to think I probably had some other really odd jobs in there. Um as a teenager, I think I was a teenager. I don't remember when. I remember for, I as a for a week. I worked. So my dad had. A, I think it was a friend or possibly um, somebody he had met through like work stuff that uh, worked with security systems. And I I worked with this guy for a week and learned how to program security systems. Cool. That's what I did for a week. That was pretty cool. That's cool. It is. Yeah, I liked it. It was kind of neat. And I like I use some of that knowledge still. Yeah. I think that's it for my my like weird odd outlier type jobs. Yeah, and I I did go through a period where I had a bunch, but I did like just a bunch of weird one off or like short term jobs. Actually, I think I talked very briefly about this job in our episode about uh, credit scores and why they're stupid. But I worked in a job like right after I finished my bachelor's degree that I was let go from, and this but this was in this was in 2012, and like the economy had still not really recovered from the 2010 mm-hmm. crash. I couldn't find anything full time like anywhere. Mm. I live in a major metropolitan area. So if you could find full-time work anywhere, it probably would be there. Mm -hmm. And so I think I pieced together being a tutor for a college readiness program and being a nanny. uh, And I did some remote work for Google. Uh, I did a little copy editing. I forgot about that time. Like, honestly, I think at one point I was doing like five different jobs mm-hmm. all for like to make enough uh, to pay the bills. Um, and that was bonkers. But to wrap up the employment piece with a haphazard bow, um, <laughs> you are uh, a baby boomer aged person that periodically listens to this podcast i know you're out there mm-hmm. and you're thinking these dumb millennials why can't they ever save any money for retirement or stay in the same job for more than a year i would just like to kindly remind you of the economic reality that people in their 30s have come up with Mm-hmm. And then also kindly but firmly ask you to keep your opinions to yourself unless your opinion is to offer some assistance that is real assistance and not just a backhanded insult. Yeah, yeah. If you and are we'd willing appreciate to appreciate it. Yeah, if, if you're, you're willing, willing to, pay, to do that. Yeah. If you are willing to pay my um my student loans, feel free. Reach out. Mm-hmm. But uh, otherwise. Or if it. you wanted to uh like reach out to your elected officials who can do something about this to advocate for state subsidized child care. Mm-hmm. We all know that you don't have kids in daycare anymore, but those of us who have kids who are the right age for daycare sure would appreciate it because those of elected officials listen to you and not to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I ask you to keep that in mind and um, maybe you can learn something from us too. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Finance. You can subscribe everywhere you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also email us at what 
underscore the underscore finance at protonmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at What the Finance. Follow us on Instagram at What the Finance. Check us out on Pinterest at What the Finance or tweet us at finance underscore one. Thank you.